Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. Well, if you don't mind, turn with me to the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. Remember, Habakkuk is in the minor prophets section. It's right before Zephaniah, right after Nahum. If you take your Bible and you could find the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and just turn left a little bit, you could find the book of Malachi, Zechariah, Haggai, Zephaniah, and then Habakkuk. The book of Habakkuk. Now remember the book of Habakkuk is written uh, right before the fall of Jerusalem by the Babylonians in seven um, in 586 BC. We know that the book of Habakkuk is probably written about anywhere between 605 to 620 BC. So just a little bit away that you could see the end coming. Uh, this is the news flash that Habakkuk receives. And he knows that judgment is coming upon his land. If you don't mind, let's pick it back up as we see the book of Habakkuk. And let's start again at verse number 1. And then we'll read through our text. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 1 and verse 1. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry? And thou will not hear. Even cry out to thee of violence, and thou will not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Behold, ye among the heathen, and regard... And wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days, which ye will not believe, though it be told you. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful, their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Their horses also are swifter than the leopards, and are more fierce than the evening wolves. And their horsemen shall spread themselves, and their horsemen shall come from afar. They shall fly as the eagle that has to eat. They that come for violence, their faces shall sup. As the east wind, they shall gather the captivity as the sand, and they shall scoff at the kings, and the princes shall be a scorn unto them, and they shall deride every stronghold, for they heap dust and take it. Then shall his mind change, and he shall pass over and offend, aputing this his power unto his God. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, mark a phrase that we find in the book of Habakkuk chapter number five, or chapter number one. Habakkuk chapter number one, and notice with me in verse five, where God says this, I 
will work a work in your days. I will work a work in your days. And with this, we understand the principle that God explains throughout the Bible that God is always at work. God is always at work. Now, the amazing thing about the book of Habakkuk is that this is a conversation between the prophet and God. That the prophet has a burden. He's looking at his nation and he sees it falling apart. He sees the violence. He sees the wrong judgment. He sees how everything's just going crazy. And so he does what he is supposed to do. And he prays. But what was unexpected is that God answered him. Wouldn't that kind of frighten you if you're in the middle of praying? And as you're praying, all of a sudden says, God comes up and says, let me tell you what I'm going to do, son. Okay, well, you've got my attention now. And the answer that God gives the prophet Habakkuk is not what he was expecting. And what he tells Habakkuk does not encourage him to start off with. In fact, it's more bad news. God says, I'm going to work a work in your days. And if I told you what I was going to do and how I was going to do it, you're going to say, how in the world does that work? But God is always at work. Now, if we're going to understand the context and understand what is, what is God doing here, we have to understand what has led up to this point. What has, is it that has caused all of this? Idolatry. Idolatry. Remember that God had separated the Hebrew people to himself for the purpose of having a nation that knew God personally. And then they could tell everyone else that their God is real and prove it by answers to prayer. But what happened is that they continued to serve other gods than the God of the Bible. They begin to put other things as idols. Now, today in America, when we say idols, what we see is little statues. And you say, you can almost imagine a little altar with a picture there and a little shrine around it. And that is an altar and, and idolatry. And because we have that image, we think, well, I'm not doing that sin. Where in fact, most of us... Most of us have idols. What is an idol? We're not just talking about a statue. An idol is something that you worship and love more than God. An idol is something that you worship and love more than God. Maybe I could further define it. A idol is something that you serve, obey, and fear. When it calls. An idol is something that you serve. And obey when it calls. So here. You could have. Your favorite hobby. It's an idol. It's an a god. Let's say that someone has an idol of a video game. And as soon as that video game calls. They have to obey it. And so, whenever it commands, whenever it speaks, it's there ready to go. Of course, many people make themselves an idol. That whatever I want, whatever I feel like, whatever pleases me, you serve and obey. 
Unfortunately, there's so many parents who make their children an idol. But how do I know that my child's my idol? When you put more affection and obedience. I'll put it this way. Whenever your child demands something, you obey. Whether it's your time. Maybe I could say it like this. Whenever you're more afraid of your child than obeying God. That's an idol. You know, it's interesting that the police, who I ride along with as a chaplain, they seem to say the same thing that I say as a pastor all the time. Be the parent. Be the parent. But, but if I do that, then they're not going to like me anymore. He's an idol. You said that's hard speak. We're at a place now, judgment of God is falling. Now's not the time to make people feel better. Now's the time to expose the truth. If a, ch- if a parent refuses to discipline a child, according to the Bible, they don't love the child. But they love their idol. There's a difference there. If, a, if you are more afraid of your child than disciplining them, he is an idol. Now, why is this important? Because God will not bless another God. Think about this. You have a parent who makes their child an idol. And they serve their child. And they refuse to obey. Or they they refuse to obey God's word. But they refuse to discipline their child. God will not bless that child because he cannot bless another God. Does that make sense? God can't bless something that we're worshiping. So let's say that I make work my idol. That when work calls, I obey. By the way, you should be a good worker. But when it calls, obey. Oh no, work called, so I have to be there rather than church. Now, I'm not talking about regular scheduled. I'm talking about people looking for the chance to go to work rather than there. Well, God can't bless that work because he's an idol. By the way, some people who start worshiping a preacher and they put him on the pedestal. Don't put me on a pedestal because I don't want God to knock me down to teach you a lesson. What is an idol? It's something that you serve and obey when it calls. It's something that you are afraid of offending that idol. That's dangerous ground. This is what happened to Israel. Israel got to the place where they worshiped themselves. We don't care what God says. We want to do what we want. And then they cry and complain. Why isn't God blessing me? Why are these things happening? Because you haven't been obedient. Because you haven't served him. Because you made yourself an idol and God can't bless that. But God is always at work. God is always at work. So what God is going to do all the time is because he loves you. He will destroy that idol to get your attention back to you, to him. That's why it's so dangerous to make a person your idol. 
Because in order to get you back to serving him, he has to tear down that idol. Over and over, we've seen parents who put their kids on a pedestal and watch instead of the kids getting close to the Lord, get further away because God is having to remove them from their sight and to break their parents' heart. For the nation of Israel, God gave them chance after chance. He sent preachers to say, stop, stop, stop! Until they refused to obey God and they served their idols, which was themselves, and using other gods and whatever else to get whatever they wanted accomplished. And then God destroyed a nation. But remember, that destruction was not the end. The destruction was the work that God was getting them to do. Because what was God's result? What did God want? Them to worship Him. This is why God said, I'm going to work a work in your days that if I told you how I was going to do it, you wouldn't believe me. So, here's Habakkuk. God, you see my nation. You could see what's going on. Lord, it needs to be fixed. And God says, I'm answering your prayer. I'm going to fix it. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to do it in such a way that if I told you how to do it, you say, well, how's that going to work? So here it is. Here's the answer. Notice with me in verse number five. Behold ye among the heathen. Habakkuk, I'm going to answer your prayer. How am I going to fix Israel? I'm going to let the Babylonians come and they're going to take you captive and destroy everything. What? That's the opposite of what I was asking for. That was the opposite. I wanted you just to wave your magic wand and make everyone happy again. Why can't God do that? It's not because he's not physically able to do that or spiritually able to do that. Because he cannot bless the idols. And the idols have to be put away in order for them to worship God. This is what God is teaching here. He says, I told you, Habakkuk. You're not going to believe it. And by the way, Habakkuk says, <laughs> he spends time protesting. What, what God, what, how's that going to work? By the way, after the Babylonians served more gods than almost anybody else in history, except for probably the Hindus and the Egyptians. And so God said, I'm going to take care of your idol problem by sending you captive to people who serve even more gods than what you serve now. And then what's going to happen is that when you come out of this, they're going to come out of it saying, there's only one God. How does that work? God. Because it doesn't work any other way. And God said, see, I told you you wouldn't believe me. But what we see here is that God is always at work. Well, that's the introduction. Let's dive into this lesson a bit more. We're in Habakkuk chapter 1. And as you turn there, let me remind you what the book, Bible says in the book of Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. Is that God said that the work that he began in you, he's going to continue to do it until the day of Jesus Christ. Until Jesus comes back. God is always at work. God is always at work. So if you don't mind, let's dive into the book of Habakkuk 
And as we have introduced this, and we understand the backdrop, the backdrop is that the Hebrew people had idols. And God's ultimate goal is to fix them from serving these idols. And he's going to do it in such a way that they, how is this going to work? By the way, that's what God does here. It's the principle we're lying here is that in order for God to get your attention, he's going to have to get rid of your idols. So that way you are attentive on him. And it's a horrible time for that process to happen. But at the end, that's the best thing to happen to us, to serve a wonderful God. You said, these aren't encouraging messages. Yes, but we're not living in encouraging times. We need God to work. And we have to understand from the Bible, how is God going to work? Because the first thing we have to understand here is, first of all, the carelessness of God's people. The carelessness of God's people. Notice with me, verse number 5. Behold ye among the heathen, and regard, and wonder marvelously. For I will work a work in your days, which ye will not believe, though it be told to you. Do you know that this is such an important verse? It's such an important verse that the Apostle Paul made reference to it in the book of Acts chapter 13 verses 40 and 41. And in that passage what Paul is saying is that God has to do a work in the Christian's life because we've become so careless. Oftentimes I'll have people say, what's wrong with our country? What is the problem with it? Is it Hollywood? Is it Liberals, is it conservatives, is it Madison, is it Washington, is it Seattle? My answer every time, it's Christians. Because Christians refuse to live like Christians. Christians refuse to obey like Christians. Christians no longer have any influence in this world. Because of our idols. Because we're no longer trusting in God. We trust in money, we trust in Walmart, we trust in the mailman. We no longer depend upon God. We forget the principle that with God, all things are possible. And we don't trust God. We don't depend on God. We don't allow Him to be the boss and tell us what to do. We act like God doesn't know what He's doing. What does the Bible say? Well, the Bible says clearly in the book of Hebrews that a parent that does not chastise or discipline their child does not love them. That's what the Bible says. So if you want to love your child, you will set up rules and boundaries because you love them. Some child who doesn't know any better. By the way, a child doesn't know what they're doing. In fact, most of us don't even know 21-year-olds who know what they're doing yet. I know what's best for me. I could stay up to midnight. No. Your bedtime's 8.30. But, 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 now it's 8. <laughs> but, 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 now listen, 7.30. Why? We have to have authority. We can't worship them, let them have their way. Because I love you, this is what your bedtime is. Because I love you, this is what time you're waking up. Because I love you, this is what you need to get accomplished. Because I love you, these are the rules. And remember, any parent that does not do that, they're more afraid of their child, they're more afraid of their little G-God. And that's the problem. Christian, read your Bible. You say, why does pastors say that all the time? Because the hardest thing to get people to do is to read their Bible. Why? 
Because we don't want to listen to God. We want to do what makes us feel good. And if we're not going to trust our Bible, we're not going to trust the God who gave us the Bible. You see, the whole thing is idols. And we, as Christians, I'm me too, all right? I am not a holier thou. I'm me too. We are so weak and anemic. The Bible talks about that the carelessness of the people. Again, the Apostle Paul takes this verse that God will work, work in our day. He'll uh, in our, in a, <laughs> make us marvelous. He uses that passage to talk about believers who are not trusting God. That's a dangerous thing. So again, the Apostle Paul is using this text to say the same thing I'm telling you now. That it's the believers who aren't trusting in God. And God has to do something to get our attention. Someone would read this and we're reading a little bit more about the Babylonians. And how the Babylonians didn't serve God. And Habakkuk puts the natural objection. But they're worse than us. But God's not working with them. He's working with God's people. To bring them to himself. Once God's people are fixed. Then the heathen could be reached. Why aren't the heathen being reached here? Because we're not right. You say this is hard stuff. Yes, but if we look at our newspapers now, playtime is over. Churches are not able to meet legally in many parts of our country right now. You say, but that's safety concerns. It goes a little bit beyond that. A Supreme Court made... A ruling that in a certain state, casinos can open with no no, uh, restrictions, but churches have to close. Same state, same place. You tell me that's a safety concern. It is not. And let me tell you, it's going to get worse. Why? Behold, ye among the heathens... And regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days, which you will not believe, though it be told to you. Do you think that we've reached a place in American Christianity where God's just finally tired of it? And says, I have to get there. I love them. I have to do something. I can't just let them get away with it. Remember what I just said, that a father will chastise his child. Well, if he's our heavenly father, he's not going to allow us to get away with being spoilt little brats who won't listen to daddy. Right? So he has to get our attention. And until he gets our attention, until we have revival, this is going to come until he finally takes away everything else that we have and we have no other choice but to say, God, I trust you and I could trust you to do a miracle. It'd be much better if we learn this lesson now. That's why the hard preaching... That's why we're being specific. Not because of being mean. No preacher in their right mind enjoys talking like this. But we have to tell the truth and understand what's going on. By the way, that's why they ignored Jeremiah for 40 years. He preached in the same message I am. They didn't listen to him. So God brought the Babylonians to come. So the people, that God's people had no other choice but to look at him. We see the carelessness of God's people. We are so careless about our faith in God that we begin to doubt what God can do. God could do everything. 
And we don't believe it. How do we know we don't believe it? If we believed it, we'd pray more. Now, again, me included. Me included. I'm not, I'm with you here. I'm convicting my own heart. My own prayerlessness. My own trusting God for the impossible. With God, all things are possible. That sounds great. And put a good t-shirt, put it on a mug. Put it in practice. That's a different thing altogether. We just keep looking at what can't be done. How it can't be done. Just give up and just, oh well. And we do that all the time. God's people have developed a carelessness that is alarming. If we are saved, we need to live like saved people. This world needs to see people who truly live the Christian life. There is a carelessness about our faith in God that is almost a refusal to believe that all things are possible. That's a carelessness that we have because we serve idols. You are either going to trust in God or you're going to trust in something else. You're going to see that theme all throughout the book of Habakkuk because this is the whole main thing that God is getting across. You're worshiping idols and we have to fix it. We're going to work a work in your day. Which brings me to the second thing. Not only the carelessness of God's people, but the cruelty of those who do not know the Lord. The cruelty of those that do not know the Lord. Now, what happens is that the Babylonians aren't coming yet, but they're on the horizon And God says, this is what's going to happen. I'm not going to send them away. They're going to come. And let me tell you what they're going to do. Notice with me in verse 6. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans. Chaldeans is the same uh, people as the Babylonians. Same people. For I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not there. So they're going to march through, and they're going to take and possess towns and cities that they didn't build, but they're going to occupy it. They're going to kick everybody out. They're going to occupy it. By the way, they are going to haul all the Hebrew people away, many of them in chains, and spread them all throughout the Babylonian empire so they can't be in big enclaves so they could rebel. They're going to mix them with other people. And that they can't. Now notice as it gives this description. Verse 7. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Their horses are also swifter than leopards. And are more fierce than the evening wolves. And their horsemen shall spread themselves. And their horsemen shall come from afar. And they shall fly as an eagle that hasten to eat. Now it's giving poetical language. Remember that we take the Bible literally. Even when it gives figurative language. Now we're saying. We're not saying that the horses are eagles. And we're not saying the horses are leopards. But here's the picture that is clearly said they're going to come swift and fast they're going to be blitzing in into it and it's not going to be warning it's not like they're going to be slowly just prancing in they are just going to come and you're not going to have warning by the way when America starts crumbling it's going to be quick there's many things that we've seen in the last eight years that we thought were going to take years to happen and it's just falling quick And by the way, this is just the warnings. It's coming. You say, you're not sounding gloom and doom. Don't you love America? I do love America. That's why I'm preaching this way. We have to be told the truth. We have to be said that we're in a serious place now. And that we have to wake up and there's a carelessness. And it's going to come swiftly. 
We almost have the idea that if it comes slowly, and by the way, they did too, what would happen if you knew that Jesus was coming tomorrow? You'd have time to get your affairs in order, wouldn't you? But if you don't know when he's coming, you have the expectation to always be ready. Here, well, I'll get right, right at the last moment. And by the way, we would all do that. We'd all have things that we would put off to the very last moment and then confess and say, all right, God, I'm right with you. I forsake it. But I got squeezed every little bit of that other thing I could out of it. That's us. That's how we would all do it. <laughs> That's why it's saying it's going to come quick. You're not going to have time to prepare. You're not going to have time to finally suddenly get right. Now's the time to get right. Here, verse number nine. They shall come all for violence. Their faces shall sup as the east wind. And they shall gather the captivity as the sand. Now here it's talking about the Babylonians. By the way, the Babylonians weren't as bad as the Assyrians. But they were pretty bad. They were violent. They were going in. Remember that in those days, mercenary standing armies were paid by the loot that they took. So that's how they got their money. So they would get very little money from their employers. So if... I get paid by what I can steal and take from other people. Guess what we're going to do? Steal and take. Especially when they're not saved. They're not Christians. They're not believers. They don't know God for themselves. They can behave however they want. And they're going to come into the land. And they're not going to take pity. They're going to destroy. And they're going to come. By the way, we can see that today. The people who don't know Christ, even in our country today, are doing such horrible things. And it's only going to get worse because people are letting them get away with it. And as long as they get away with it, they're going to do it. They're not going to develop a conscience the last moment. They'll have no problems with it. We've already seen protesters breaking into churches. That's happening. It's not making news, but it's happening all over the place. <laughs> I hate that I have to use the headlines to describe what's going on here. Is that horrible? But it's here. We're, we're done playtime. We have to know what's going on. And it's not going to be a nice little captivity. Oh, these are nice people that put us captive. We have nice jailers. We do not. They hate God and they hate us because of what we represent. Notice as it goes on. And they shall scoff at the king's. And the princes shall be a scorn to them, and they shall deride every stronghold, and they shall heap tusk and take it. In verse number 9, it's talking about they should gather the captivity as sand. That means they gather so many people captive and they drag them away. It, just a numberable amount of people. Now, most people think that God brings judgment in one sweeping blow. But remember that judgment is progressive. If you think that just one of these days God is going to judge our nation, we need to remember that we're being judged now, Judah fell long before this because of their sin and they collapsed within and the Babylonians just finished the job. But they were conquered within, <laughs> they died within, they failed within before they were conquered without. Now, why is there such cruelty in this world? It's because people have turned their hearts from the true God. What's even the worst part of this? Notice with me verse 11. Then shall his mind change and he shall pass over and offend 
imputing this, his power, unto his God. The Babylonians, when they went and they took uh, Judah, and by the way, you could read this as the Assyrians were talking about it. It's recorded in three different places, in the book of Chronicles, in the book of Second Kings, and the book of Isaiah, that the Assyrians, when they came in, they told Isaiah and um, <laughs> King Hezekiah, Listen, none of these other gods were able to stop us. What makes you think your puny God can stop you? The people who do not believe in our God, but they believe in their other God, whatever it is, their God of open sexuality, their open whatever else. You know what's happening even today? As they're getting victories in the court, they're getting victories in the media, they're getting victories in these other things. They're saying, ha, their God's not true because he couldn't stop us. You know what's happening? Because we fail to believe in our God, because we fail to trust in our God, because we're so careless about our faith in him, they don't believe our God is true. And they believe their God reigns supreme because they're getting victories. And we are not. That's exactly what's coming on now. That's exactly what's going on. When I get done recording, I'll tell you what the next step for a lot of that agenda is. And people who listen to the recording later is like, what in the world is he saying? But actually, I did that part out. But You understand? They are saying their God is real. Their God is true because our God is doing nothing. Why is our God doing nothing? Well, he's not doing nothing. He's always at work. But it is God's people that are failing to believe in him, trust in him, depend upon him. We don't worship him. They are more dedicated to their God than we are to our God. And that is why they're getting the victory. Because we're not trusting him. We're not depending on him. And we can, even in this day, we could see God do an amazing work. Because God is always at work. The problem is us. The problem is not them. The problem is us. Because we would rather trust and believe in some other God than trust the real God who loves us. Which brings me to one last thing. You said this hasn't been a very hopeful message. Let me give you this one now. The compassion of the Lord. The compassion of the Lord. God is always at work. In the gospel record of Luke, chapter number 15, there is an amazing story that illustrates this. That God is a God of compassion. And there's never been a human being who has sinned so much, who has offended so much, who's hated God so much, that God has decided to stop loving. That is a blessing. That God still loves everyone and there's not a single person who could be so far off the rails, so debauched that God will choose not to love them anymore. That's a comfort. That helps us too, is that we can trust God. In the gospel record of Luke chapter 15, we have a story that we commonly call the prodigal son. And in this, we have an account of a father who had two sons. And he had one son who went up to his dad and said, Dad, I want my inheritance now. I don't want to wait until 
you die, I want my inheritance now. Now, he was full grown and outside of the child age. So now he's responsible for his own actions. I want my inheritance now. And the father complied and gave it to him. This young man went into the world. And instead of getting a job, instead of working, he partied and wasted his money. The Bible calls it riotous living. It's a living that was wasteful. He didn't invest it. You know, hey guys, round of drinks for everyone. And he was popular as long as he's paying for it. Hey man, free pizzas, free drinks, free everything. Let's bring in all the stuff. It's on me. Well, he's getting lots of friends then. There's enough freeloaders who love that type of stuff. But because he wasted it in such riotous way, he abused his... Op- now, he had the opportunity to work with his dad. He, oppor- he had the money to invest and do something with it. But he did not. And next thing you see is that all of his money is gone. And all of his friends are gone. They only liked him for his money. And when he needed help, not a single one was available. By the way, people will let you down. People will fail you. God will never fail you. This young man got to the place where he's slopping pigs. Now, that may not sound like as big of a deal, but to a Hebrew person, a pig is an unclean animal. And it is against everything for them to to touch them. But here he's mingling with them. He's, you know, if you've never slopped hogs, let me tell you, it's not that they wait patiently by their food bowl. As soon as you come in, they are doing everything to get to that bowl, including knock you down to bite you to whatever else. It is a dirty, nasty job. What is slop, by the way? It's all the leftovers. The milk, the curdled milk that you've been sitting for a while, the leftovers. He put it all in there, and then you'd slop the hogs. He got to the place where he was so hungry, he's saying the pigs are eating better than me. And he was tempted to take a kernel or corn in the cob that had some corn still on it, start munching on that. He's eating pig's food, which again to a Hebrew person, this is beyond all humiliation. Meanwhile, you have dad. You know what dad was doing every day? He was praying. He was looking. He was always looking at the horizon. You said, why didn't dad go after him? Dad was doing something better. He was trusting God. He could not trust his son, but he can trust God to do a work. He can trust that God would do something to bring that son back to God himself. And so sure enough, do you think that father wanted that son to go through that thing? But that was the only way to get that son's attention. He could trust God. I'm going to work a work in your day that if I told you, you would believe. So son, before you leave, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to blow all your money and you're going to end up slopping hogs and eating their food. And that's how you're going to get right with God. Think that kid would have laughed at his dad? You would have too. What? You're crazy. That's no way that's going to happen to me. But you had a father who could not trust the human. He could trust God. God, 
I'm trusting in you. Now remember, with God all things are possible. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is to turn them over to God. And let God do a work. Maybe I could give you a personal illustration. If you don't mind a personal illustration. My bro- he, gives, he gave me permission to use this. My brother had come to know Christ as his Savior. Probably about 14 years of age. Was biblically baptized. Been part of a church. But because of rebellion and bitterness. He broke away from my family. I went to the Air Force. And he went crazy. And uh, that bitterness and that rebellion took over. He quit school. He uh, got into alcohol. They got into drugs, got into womanizing. There was a time that he was juggling five girlfriends all at once and they didn't know about each other. I mean, he was, he was in the thick of it. There would be times that I'd open up the Bible and I'd come home on military leave and say, this is what the Bible says. And he, he would be sensitive and say, yes, I know. The problem was, is that he never made a decision to follow after God Someone made the choice for him. Yeah, yeah, I need to go to church. Yeah, I think I'll do that next time. Then his friends come. Hey, you want to go to a party? Yeah, let's go do that. What happened is his friends made a decision for him because he never made a decision for himself. And so he ruined his life. He met, he's living high at the very beginning. Look at all the friends I have. Look at how popular I am. I got five girlfriends. But things began to get worse and worse. He started to get DUIs. All the time. He began to. uh, (coughs) uh, Not only broke my parents heart. But he was breaking the hearts of people around him. Abusing his friends. And misusing them. And became a type of person. Where he would sleep at some person's place. Until they got tired of him. And then he would sleep at another person's place. And continue to move around. Meanwhile we're praying. God whatever it takes. To bring him to yourself. Whatever it takes. Do that. That's a hard thing to pray because when you pray that, God says, all right, whatever it takes. My brother was uh, driving, uh, was with a friend driving on a dirt road. And for once they weren't speeding. And if you've never driven a dirt road, especially in a windy road, it's uh, not very stable. They weren't speeding that day, but they hit a curve just right. And the truck began to flip. The first time it flipped, he wasn't wearing a seatbelt. He got halfways in and halfways out of the truck when it rolled right on him. And then it flung him out and threw him out in the middle of a field. They called me. I was uh, pastoring in Tennessee at the time. He's in South Dakota. And they said, if you're going to say something to him, you need to get up here right now. So we immediately dropped everything and drove up, praying the whole time, God, do something. God, do something. Lord, do something to spare him. Because he was (laughs) halfway in and halfway out, the truck rolled on his back. And the whole truck rolled on him and went over, crushed his back. They were so afraid that he would be paralyzed for the rest of his life because uh, of that spinal cord. We get up there and we're praying. 24 hours to drive from where we were at to where he was at. Lord, do something. Lord, do something. So we get up there and they get through doing MRIs and x-rays. And they said, this is the most amazing thing we've ever seen. That the bone is broken, but the spinal cord was not touched at all. 
my brother got bright. And right now he's working at the printing press that we support financially, where he prints John and Romans and Bibles for people all around the world, serving in a church. What happened? God would work a work in your day that if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. But God knew what to do. He knew exactly what it took. God is always at work. Was God wrong for allowing my brother to do that? No, he was very much right. It's not what we would have chosen to do. But God is doing a work. You may not trust the person to get right. Can you trust God? That's the whole thing here. Is that God has to bring us to the place where we can trust Him. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus. And I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.